Hey friends, welcome to Boca, a podcast exploring the ever-blurring lines between the personal and business lives of professional photographers. This is your host, Nathan Holritz, and I'm happy that you can join me today in connecting with photographers and entrepreneurs as we discuss photography, business, and oh yeah, that sometimes messy thing that we call life. This podcast, it's brought to you by Photographer's Edit, custom image editing for the wedding and portrait photographer. Just visit photographersedit.com. All right, Boca Podcast listeners, thanks so much for joining us today. And I have here with me my new friend, Jessica Couch. Thank you so much, Jessica, for joining us from a long, long ways away. Yeah, no worries. I'm so excited to be here. And you know what? I, one of my favorite things, uh, we were chatting a little bit before we got started, uh, it, well, before I hit the record button here, and, and I mentioned that I'd been to Australia a couple of times before. And one of my favorite things, that something that I actually walked away with that I picked up that I say quite a bit now is no worries. So you started us off with that. But I think it's such a chill way of saying, hey, don't worry about it. Um, and that was, that was a, a cultural item, I guess, that I, that I carried away from, from Australia. I mentioned to you that I spent a little bit of time on kind of the East Coast, Sunshine Coast, Brisbane, that area. And you mentioned you're from Adelaide. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. So down south of Australia. Well, it's, I haven't had the opportunity to, to go there specifically yet, but I'm definitely looking forward to getting back. It's been way too long. It is a very, very long plane flight or a number of flights, <laughs> uh, but absolutely worth it. So I'm looking forward to getting back. But I, I want to actually get to know you a little bit more personally because we haven't had the chance to meet before. But before we do that, I like to get the podcast episode started with uh, what I call the aha moment. And I'd love for you, if you will, just to share a moment or maybe a series of experiences that you had that were kind of a you know, put that light bulb on in your head that made you wake up and realize you needed to do something different. And that ultimately helped kind of catapult your business forward. Can you share one of those moments with us? Oh, of course. Um, so for me, it was about attracting my perfect client. And what I realized is I need to let the public get to know me personally so they could decide and filter out if I was the right photographer for them before we met and engaged because, you know, I find that um, not sharing part of me is holding back something because essentially they're not just buying my photography style and my beautiful photos, they're actually buying a little piece of me and my soul. And so if we don't connect on a personal level, I won't be able to get those beautiful photos out of them, you know, if they're not comfortable with me. So I've just learned to be really out there and let my, you know, followers and my potential clients get to know the real me and what I'm about. Well, and, and one of the things that we'll talk about here in a little bit more detail uh, in just a bit is your your blog and what, what really is acting kind of as your blog and your website right now, which is extremely personal and um, and and we're gonna we're gonna dive into that in a bit. But I love this notion of letting the client, based on the information they see about you, filtering you out. You know, we, we talk a good bit about the idea of filtering out clients. You know, people come to us, they see our price point and and the type of photography that we offer, and that just kind of naturally acts as a filter for the client. But you're kind of reversing that and saying to the world at large, or at least to your local market, here I am. This is me, and if that works for you let's work together. If not, no worries. And um, I like that, that kind of reverse approach almost. Yeah, well, I just, you know, I found that I, I am hitting my perfect clients a lot more regularly now since I've done this. So it works, you know, and 
I think it's a two-way street. I'm, you know, delivering something for them, but I just want to have a relationship with them. I guess a lot of what I do is relationship-based. I, I'm a big personality, so if they're going to have me taking photos of them, I want them to be comfortable with that, I guess. <laughs> that totally makes sense. Well, and I think we're going to kind of, again, explore this, this idea of your personality and how that ties into your business in, in a, actually a great bit more detail here in just a bit. We're going to be talking about this idea of why we do what we do, kind of establishing what I would call or what has really been commonly uh, become known as finding your why. So we're going to dive into that here in just a little bit, but I'd love to get you to get to know you a little bit more on a, on a personal level. I'd love to hear about kind of the important people in your life, uh, maybe pets as well, what you like to do with your free time. Tell us a little bit more about yourself. All right. Well, I'm a mum to two beautiful girls and that is really fundamental to what I do and how I do it. Um, I have a beautiful, loving husband who is very, very patient with me because I have very big ideas and I come home with some crazy, crazy <laughs> things that I want to do. And yeah. he totally respects that and is always cheering me on. Um, I guess what I do in my spare time, I spend a lot of time um, out in nature. I actually just look after my body really well now. So I go to the gym. I walk a lot. And that includes walking my dogs. I have two dogs and it's quite hilarious. So I have a deer hound cross. So she is huge. Like she looks like a horse. Yeah, and yeah. then we also have a tiny little, um, what was he? Maltese poodle. So, but he was the runt of the litter. So he's actually really tiny for his size. So they're the ultimate odd couple when they go out he's this miniature little dog and she's this huge dog so um yeah that's I guess that's what I get up to I just love getting out there with my family and spending a lot of time with the people I love it sounds really lovely now I've got a number of questions even just about this so you said you have two daughters how old are they Four and eight. Oh, wow. Okay. See, I miss... So my daughter is, is 12 and my son is 15. But there, there are certain elements, especially around three or four, that age that I just really, really miss. There's a certain... Like I think back to... And I think I've even talked about this on the podcast before, but there's a, there's a picture of my daughter. She's about three years old. She was dressed up as a flower girl. And um, it's a picture that I snapped of her on, uh, in this wedding that she was a part of. And she's just lit up. There's a certain joy and innocence and excitement, the combination of those things about her that was just so incredibly endearing. And, um, you know, they, they start to get older and they st start to get kind of wise um, and, and they're trying to figure life out and, and just their, their personality and their dynamic changes a little bit. But I really miss that, that younger stage. So enjoy it while you can. <laughs> oh, I am. I am. I, you know, I've been through it with my eight-year-old and I know that this time... It's just, it is, it's a really precious time. It's before they go to school and there's just something magical about this sort of just before they go to school time. They're, they're really switched on. They're very clever, but they've still got this beautiful innocence to them. And I just, I am relishing in it. I am. Oh, it's, it's addictive. It's incredible. Yeah, definitely do that. And then you mentioned your husband. I love the fact that you describe him as kind of your cheerleader. He's cheering you on with your big ideas, your big dreams. Is, is he a photographer as well? Is he tied to the photography industry? No, it's hilarious. He's an engineer. So he's a radio frequency engineer. He is very logical. His brain works in a very different way to mine. I'm, you know, he's creative too, but he's really into numbers. And, um, and I think it's quite funny that um, he just is so supportive of me because, you know, I 
I really do come up with some wacky things sometimes. <laughs> and he's always like, honey, that sounds amazing. And, you know, he'll, he'll you know, nut it out with me what we can do to sure. make it work logically. But there is no denying that he is my biggest fan. And I'm just, yeah, I'm so lucky, to be honest, to have that. Because I don't think many people could put up with what I come home with. <laughs> <laughs> no, I would, I would, I, I would say, how lucky are you? That's, that was kind of what was going through my head to have somebody that is that, that big a fan of you and, and lends that support. And then also lends kind of a different perspective too. As you said, he's an engineer. You're more the creative. Um, I make, I bet that makes for some really interesting conversations, but, but <laughs> kudos to you for, for creating this, this amazing relationship with a guy who's so supportive of you. And I know that, um, well, just based on the little bit that I that I know, based on what you're describing, this just sounds like a really beautiful picture with your family. And then your two dogs. You, you said a deer hound. Is that similar to a, a wolfhound? Are they about the same size? It is. Okay. Yeah, so very similar size, slightly smaller because she's um, – we got her from a pound. So she's – we're not really sure what the other bits of her are, you know. <laughs> okay. Like she's a mixed breed, but she is very similar to a wolfhound. She's very big. <laughs> That's really, really cool. Now, you, you made an interesting comment. You said, I, I take care of myself now in the present tense. Is this, is this something, and maybe we're going to touch on this here in a little bit, but is this something that you haven't always done, going to the gym, working out, this kind of thing, but you're putting a, more of a priority on it now? Yeah, you know what? I have totally burnt out running a business. Um, I, I think it's very easy when you're running the ship, when you are, everything falls on you, you know, like when you're, you run your own business, it's all about you. You're the one that has to bring in the money. You're the one that has to find the clients. It's all you. The work is you. It all falls back on you. Yeah. And that can be a really unhealthy cycle. You can start to form these really unhealthy patterns of behavior, which are all about work and you forget to look after yourself. And what I found is my anxiety went through the roof. I, I almost just left the business. I couldn't cope anymore. And so I got to a point where I thought I need to look after myself first and then I'll be able to do my job better and more productively. And so it seems counterintuitive when you have, say, three hours to spend an hour of that exercising like you know to me that really blew my mind I thought that is a waste of that hour but what I was doing in the two hours after that was so much more productive than it I'd ever been you know so, um, true. so I think that was a really hard lesson for me to learn and you know one that just had to happen otherwise it was all going to come crashing down oh that's a great point and this is something I've talked about before uh, when, when it comes to putting together a daily schedule of sorts. And I hesitate to say schedule because it sounds a little bit rigid, but I think it's good for business owners to, to create at least a loose structure for the day. So it helps kind of push them through the day, accomplish a little bit more, be a little bit more efficient. But personally, my, my daily schedule um, on the days that I work out, I like to start with a workout because it does give you that, that mental and physical boost um, in a way that really not anything else can. And um, it's extremely invigorating. And I've even gone to the extent of finding that after doing a variety of different exercises, and of course, this is going to be different for everybody, but me personally, if I, can, if, if I am to do about 45 minutes of cardio or even more, that 45-minute threshold seems to be kind of where I hit a, a physical high. And it just really, really gets me going. Now, I don't, if, if I have particular goals, uh, for example, if I want to lean out and I want to lose some weight, what I've found is that extensive cardio actually gets in the way of that. 
But if I want to get that physical high from from really kind of pushing it and, and working my body, um, that's the particular amount of time that it takes. And of course, as I said earlier, this is going to be all a very subjective process for everyone. I think the key idea here that you pointed out is prioritizing care of our bodies because ultimately that translates to being a better business person, certainly, but also just a a better person in general. We certainly have more energy and more mental clarity, and it does minimize anxiety, as you were talking about as well. So this is a a really great reminder. I'm curious, though, when you talk about having, you know, two, three hours, how do you create that kind of free time to exercise, to spend time with your family? Is there something in particular that you do, a particular technique or tool um, that helps you in creating that free time? I think I'm just really organized. I have children. I can't, I can't just. <laughs> you could just stop right know? there. I have children. That, that pretty much sums it up. <laughs> it does. You know, like I just don't, free time just doesn't come out of the air for me. I right. have to create it. You know, I have to be very thought out, planned. Everything has to be, you know, structured in that sense. And I know that sounds strange for a creative person to have this rigid structure and to think about it. But if I don't, that time doesn't come. You know, so I rely heavily on my partner, my husband, um, my mother who lives in Adelaide and is very supportive. And when the girls are in care, like at school or wherever they go, that is the time that I just need to work whether I'm feeling it or not. And I think a lot of creatives, um, we want to be feeling it. You know, we want to... um, you know, to just have those creative juices flowing before we can really get into the work. I don't have that luxury. When the when the time is here, I just have to get into it. So, yeah, yeah that's what I get up to. I, that totally makes sense. And, and uh, I think it's a great concept to be reminded of. Simply, you know, we're not talking about a particular tool or a fancy app or anything of the sort. We're just talking about proactivity. You just have to sometimes do it regardless of how you feel. And this is actually a good reminder for me because I'm, I'm a pretty uh, emotional individual in the sense that I do like to play off of feelings uh, versus always being logical. And this is a great reminder and encouragement for all of us artist types, emotional feeler types, um, that at times we just have to get it done. And uh, I think that's a, that's a great reminder for all of us. So thank you for that. Now, I'm, I'm curious to take a step back to photography and find out how you even got into photography in the first place. So... That's quite interesting. Well, I think it is anyway. I moved to <laughs> <Do> Adelaide. <laughs> so I moved to Adelaide when my youngest was one month old. I was originally a primary school teacher. Okay. And I just wasn't feeling it. And, you know, it's. I remember when I was studying teaching, I went to a school and I was, you know, watching an, a teacher teach her, my mentor teacher. And you could tell she hated her job. You, you could just see it in her face. And I thought those poor children, those 30 kids who are in her room and they're not getting the best out of her. And I remembered I made a promise to myself that if I ever wasn't loving teaching, I had to leave. And that's pretty confronting because that's when you're like what what I'm saying essentially is saying I'm walking away from a, you know, a job that provides, you know, a very like a good income that's very structured and stepping away from that is quite difficult, but I just didn't think it was fair on the children. You know, I felt a great responsibility to offer the children the best of me. And if I couldn't do that anymore, I didn't think it was fair to stay. And so I stepped away from teaching, which, you know, I think a lot of people don't. I think a lot of people stay even when they don't love it anymore. And I respect that. I can understand that we don't all have the luxury of leaving, 
But that left me really wondering what I should be doing with my life. And I guess I just felt called to do photography. And I didn't know in what capacity or how that would look. In fact, I really struggled with the idea of becoming a photographer to start off with. I loved photography. I, I've always loved capturing moments. But I felt it was quite superficial, you know, the way I imagined photography. I thought, oh, it just doesn't seem to sit with me. Like I was hoping I'd be called to, you know, feed orphans in Africa or something. (laughs) And I thought, oh, photography, how is that going to change the world? You know, I just couldn't comprehend it. Funnily enough, it has been the most rewarding career I could ever imagine. But at that time, I really did struggle with the idea of being a photographer, but I just pushed through and I knew I loved the art form and I just trusted in the process that, you know, all would be revealed why this was part of my journey, really. So how long ago did this whole process happen where you made the transition from your day job to, uh, to, well, to photography? So about three years ago is when I officially launched my first business. So like my daughter's a good milestone because, you know, she's four and it was roughly when she was one when I started this whole process. Well, and this is yet again another great example. You know, I, it reminds me actually what you're describing, the scenario you're describing, being a teacher and just not being able to bring the energy to your to your job and to those kids that you wanted to, that you thought was important. I, I follow a guy named Gary Vaynerchuk on social media, and he's a very prominent figure in the marketing world. And one of the things he talks about is, you know, if you're so disappointed that it's Monday and then so excited that it's Friday, then you need to, to be looking for something different. You know, this, this notion of having to try to escape what it is that we do for our profession. When you get to that stage, you know something is wrong and either that, that something needs to be fixed or you need to move on. And, and this is a great example. And it does take some guts to step out and, and make that move but you've done it and here you are. And, and I'm curious, actually, what type of photography, what specialty did you land on as a professional photographer? So, well, that's been a whole, I didn't know. I knew I wanted to photograph people. You know, that's really what I started with. I was like, I don't like taking photos of landscapes. And that's all I had, you know. Yeah. And so I've been through quite a big journey with that. I, I started doing everything, events, weddings, you know, family photography, all of that. Then I finished my, you know, just before I started this new business, I was doing weddings only. And now I've gone in a totally different direction, which is very unique. And I do body empowerment shoots. So I've gone through a very big range and I've landed on something very unique and something that, you know, no one here that I know offers. So, yeah, it's very exciting to see all the steps that I've taken to get to the point where I am now. Wow. Wow. This is such a loaded topic. And I'm sure it's going to be tied directly to the question about our why, establishing a why. And um, and in fact, let's just go ahead and kind of go there. Because when, when you were initially chatting with Haley, who heads up our digital marketing and helps set up these these interviews for the podcast, when you guys were chatting, uh, she talked to you about the uh, the possibility of discussing goals related to your business. And and then when I pulled up your, your blog in particular and started scrolling through, I just got the sense there was a certain energy about what I was seeing on the screen and the way what you were communicating and the way you were communicating uh, that just struck me a lot differently than than most websites that I've been to. Um, and this notion that there was a deeper meaning behind why you do what you do, um, it was very apparent. And so that's what I, I would really like to explore today. But if you were, maybe we just kind of take a step back. How would you sum up uh, the, your reason for being a photographer? If you have to sum that up in just one sentence, what would that be? Okay, so I guess in one sentence, what I would say is, 
I want to show people the beauty in real life, in daily life. Okay. And so then if we were to take it a step further from that, would you sum it up um, maybe in a sentence or two, why you offer the specific photographic services that you do? Or would you say that that all is one and the same? You want to show them the beauty of daily life? Well, I guess I also want them to see the beauty in themselves. So with what I'm doing right now, I want women in particular, that's who I work with, to see the beauty of themselves and their bodies. So, you know, just reality. I think as photographers, I really, I'm going to be a bit contentious here, but I really struggled with the notion of editing out flaws. Now, flaws is, you know, I don't even like that word because what I was saying to my clients was there's something wrong with that part of you and that's why I've had to remove it. So everything I do is very raw and it's very real because I think the beauty is actually right there in real life, in just the way things are, just as they were made. Just as they are. Yeah, that totally makes sense. And and, and you're right. I think uh, many, if not most photographers, we're all kind of guilty of going in and trying to edit out um, those so-called flaws, we'll put flaws in quotation marks there, but yeah. um, that, that, you know, we do, we do this for ourselves just for the sake of portraying a, a quote, perfect image in our portfolio, or we might do it for the sake of the client who is insecure with how they look in one way or another. And of course there, there, there's a deeper conversation or series of conversations underlying um, that behavior. And I think it's quite fascinating that you've decided to take a different approach, that you leave those there. Um, where, where do you think this comes from? What's the motivation for, first of all, you choosing to do this type of photography, but then your approach to this process and, and celebrating these people for who they are, how they are, where does that come from? I think it all comes from my daughters. You know, I have two daughters who live in a world that tells them that being a woman is all about the way you look and that the way they look is never going to be good enough. You know, with these edited images, essentially what they're comparing themselves to is aliens. That's the way I call it because they're not really humans anymore. They've been altered so much that that's not how anyone could possibly look in daily life. And for me, that just upset me. I don't want my children to live in that world. I actually think getting to know my daughters, they are so much more than their bodies. They are smart. They are funny. They're kind. They have big dreams. And I want them to keep those dreams. I don't want them to diminish their value to being just an ornament for somebody. So I think that's really where I draw all my inspiration from is making the world a better place for my two girls. Wow. And and that I don't think I've ever quite heard it described the way that you just did. And it really struck um, me very powerfully. And you said, I don't want them to just feel like they have to be an ornament for somebody. And that's really, really powerful. And we'll all just kind of take that and apply it in a way that, that uh, makes most sense to, to the context of our lives. But what a what a powerful, powerful way to sum that up. Now, I'm curious, what does that conversation look like with your kids? And I'm sure it differs with your eight-year-old versus your four-year-old, but how do you talk to them about this? Do you know, it's, it's so funny because I don't know. I think I just live out, live and breathe body love, body acceptance, loving my identity, I guess, that I don't even know how I portray it to them. I guess it's such a part of daily conversation, but I know it's getting through to them because they'll come back to me and say things um, that show me that I am, I must be, you know, giving this message out to them. Um, 
I guess some of the really practical things I do is I'm very aware of the things they watch on TV. Sure. I, I read a lot of books with strong female characters to them. So there's great children's picture books that have got girls who aren't about being pretty but are about, you know, being smart or strong. Um, and whenever they ask me if they're pretty, which is going to sound horrible, but I say, darling, you know, you might be pretty, but that's not the thing I really celebrate in you. I And I'll talk about the attributes that I just love about them. And I just take the focus away from, you know, the physical a lot of the time. Sure, that makes sense. And, and um, we could probably stand to, to focus on some of those similar qualities and traits of those around us a lot more um, over the, the, the so-called physical beauty, as you were describing. This is a, a beautiful example that you're setting for them. Now, on your, on your blog, and, and as I mentioned earlier, or alluded to earlier, as I was scrolling through the blog, there was just, I got a sense as I continued to scroll further and further down, um, that there was a certain passion that, that exuded through this. There was a, a more powerful why. And I, I think one of the, the most striking posts that really got to me was um, the post that you did on, uh, and it's titled Unashamed, Stories of Abuse Survivors. And you photographed a number of women. I, I wonder if you could tell our listeners, kind of share with our listeners what the shoot was about and what that process looked like. Yeah, so that was really close to my heart, that one. I am an abuse survivor, so I was sexually abused when I was a child. And so um, it's just something that, I, and I'm talking abuse in any form. So I'm talking about abuse within a relationship or, you know, within a workplace. I just know that there are a lot of women out there who carry shame because they have experienced some form of abuse. And I really wanted to liberate women from that. I guess I've learned how to liberate myself and how to release that shame. And I knew that my art form could help them with that. So what I essentially did is I asked a group of women to come together, share their stories with me and do a topless shoot. And so that's a very physical way of releasing the shame. And a lot of the shame is kept in our bodies because often the abuse has happened to our bodies. And so we have, feel this sort of rejection of our bodies. We don't really like our bodies anymore. Um, and so this was a celebration of being comfortable in our own skins, bearing it all and being really vulnerable together. And so that's sort of how it came about. And I was really, really surprised how many people came to me. And not everyone wanted to take part in the shoot, but just wanted to share their story with me. Wow. And that was just beautiful to have, just to be that safe person for a lot of people to just say, you know, I'm so glad you're bringing this up because nobody talks about it. And I'm glad that by talking about it, you're saying it's not something to be ashamed of anymore. Wow. I, well, first of all, I, I can't thank you enough for your vulnerability and sharing even just briefly um, your past and your history. And, and it's very obvious that that plays into the motivation for offering these types of photographic services to women, um, certainly to your focus on on empowering your girls in particular. And this is a beautiful, beautiful thing, how you translate that, that experience of pain to something positive and then ultimately enabling them to be uh, powerful women as they grow up. But I, I'm looking through these through these images, and it's just it's it's so extremely vulnerable these women to to expose themselves not not just physically, but emotionally as well. As you said, to share their stories and then to come together to be photographed, and it, it's a, an extremely powerful statement. But what a beautiful outlet that you gave them to do that 
through this photography. And, and I think, I mean, certainly we'll, we'll make sure to link to your, uh, to your blog in the show notes so that our listeners can go and take a look at this. But um, kudos to you. Just, and, and that's, that's very, that sounds kind of trite, really. But it, as powerful as this is, you just did a beautiful, beautiful job. I know for these women, um, you set a wonderful example for all of us listening in um, and your focus on what, what matters most. And, um, and certainly when it comes to photography and choosing what we focus on with photography, doing something that makes a deep, deep impact in people's lives, you've certainly done that here. And, and uh, so I really appreciate you sharing this with us. Now, I'm, I'm kind of curious because you've, you've found a very, very powerful why that, as I said, very obviously comes from your past. You're, you're, instead of getting stuck in that past, you're enabling or, or utilizing that experience then to be able to share with others, to give something beautiful to others. I, I wonder if you would share with our listeners maybe a process or at least some things to consider if they want to find more meaning in what they're doing as photographers. How can they find their why more effectively? Yeah, so I think, number one, the way it worked for me and the process was I tried a lot of things. I think sometimes we can get it in our head what we think we're going to like. But I think giving yourself the opportunity um, to try lots of different things is really powerful because it actually helps you um, discern what it is you're drawn to, you know. And I think if you don't give yourself the opportunity to try new things and to say, no, that's not for me, you actually don't know. And, you know, I can vouch for that. I really, at the start, had a very different idea of what I was going to do with my photography to what I do now. And had I just said no um, to opportunities that arose, I think I wouldn't be here today. And I think, you know, we talk a lot about the art of saying no to things, and I think that's very important. But there's also the art of saying yes. And I think we don't say yes to things because we are scared, we're afraid, and we don't think we're going to be able to do it. I just say yes to everything the very first time. Once I know it's not for me, that's when the no comes out. But the very (laughs) first time, I don't say I'm not good enough, I'm too scared, this isn't for me, I'm going to stuff it up. I say, why not? And I can't think of a good reason why not, and I just give it a go. And that's how I've gotten to the point where I am, just trying things and saying yes a lot more. And you know what? This is this is really interesting. First of all, I have to say, like you, you would probably be a really fun person to hang out with if you just like to try at least everything once. I mean, have you have you done crazy <laughs> things like skydiving and and hang gliding and and uh, I mean, base jumping and all these other things? Have you tried any of that kind of stuff yet? Do you know it's so funny because I recently swam with a whale, which is another whole story. But um, that after that experience. I, I'm actually quite scared. So I'm a very scared person. I, I used to be anyway. I think I've just stepped on the other side of fear. And t- doing that experience and realizing that joy is actually on the other side of fear. I yes. realized that doing that swim, I was like, you know what? Fear stops me from joy, like experiencing joy. And I think after that experience, before I would have been like, I would never skydive. That is a stupid idea. <laughs> now, I think if it makes me afraid, I know that the thrill I'm going to get on the other side is going to be epic. And so I welcome that. And I've actually said to people, if people have some crazy idea that they want me to do and maybe sharing with them, I'm all for it. So I haven't been asked to, but you know, it's out there now. 
Oh, that's awesome. And you definitely have to try it. I've been twice now. And it is one of, I mean, it's got to be in the top two or three most exhilarating things I've ever done in my whole life. It's absolutely incredible. And part of the reason I did it, actually, to speak to this idea of, of stepping beyond fear, was to face my fear of heights. Uh, and, you know, because I think in some form or fashion, we're all afraid of heights in some way, but it was particularly debilitating for me. And um, so I actually started with hang gliding, um, which was, I mean, it was disconcerting enough, but but then went uh, to the to the skydiving. And uh, the second time that I went, I, I fell out of the plane and I kept my, my eyes open. And when you, when you roll out of the plane, you, you literally roll and you roll multiple times. I kept my eyes open and I can see the plane kind of, or me falling away from the plane, the plane moving away from me. So you get a little bit of an idea of how fast you're, you're falling. And then you open your arms out and, um, and then we're, we're falling, but there was some clouds in the sky. And, and, and the first time I had gone uh, skydiving, there were no clouds, absolutely no clouds. So there's no real perspective as to how fast you're falling. Now I can actually see this cloud coming up toward me and then I got to fall straight through it. And you feel the mist from, you know, from the cloud itself, the moisture, um, but you talk about just absolutely mind-blowing exhilaration. I was literally on a physical high probably for a good 45 minutes or so after I jumped the first time. It was just <laughs> beyond anything I had ever experienced. So highly recommended. What kind of whale did you get to swim with? Uh, a humpback whale. So wow. they're, they're huge. They're just beautiful. And I was 10 meters away from it in the end. Wow. And um, just so exhilarating. Yeah. I mean, it, that was a childhood dream of mine. So to do that was absolutely amazing. Huh, that's really interesting. Now, you, you talk about fear, and one of the things that came to mind, at least for me, something that, that um, if, if I am to avoid doing something out of fear, uh, in many cases for me, the fear is uh, a, a lack of ability to know that I'm going to do it perfectly. Uh, I was kind of raised a perfectionist, if you will. That's who my dad was. And, and um, that's translated to some positive traits, but then there's still an apprehension, a, a, a tendency that I have to be apprehensive of um, not getting, not doing something right the first time, uh, not making the right impression as a result. Do you find that that has been something you face or do you, do you see different types of fears? Um, perfection is debilitating. It absolutely is. I think it stops so many of us doing things because we feel it's better to do nothing at all than to do it. And it's not perfect. So I, I have often stopped myself cause I, I, it's funny, you wouldn't think I'm a perfectionist if you if you got to know me because I'm quite relaxed in some aspects of my life. My house is a mess. It does not look tidy. <laughs> but in certain things, I am a perfectionist. And I don't want, I think for me, I don't want people to see me fail or do something not well. That just absolutely would devastate me. Yeah. Um, and so what I realized is I was, it was a, a disability in the sense I couldn't do things because I was too afraid to fail. Um, and so I have had to really, really dig deep into that and look at my identity, look at who I am and really speak into that and say that perfection is an illusion, right? Um, what's perfect for me is different to what's perfect for you, what's perfect for someone else. And therefore it does not exist. Right. It can't exist if it's different for everyone. And that has really helped liberate me to know that, you know, I could have a favorite song and yours would be completely different. How can that be? Like if there was perfection, everybody would like the same things, you know, we would all see it as perfect. And so I think 
really speaking into that. And I do a lot of self-talk, just talking about that to myself and stopping myself in my tracks has really liberated me. And what I love is I say to myself, what I do could be perfect for someone. And that's all that matters. You know, I could be producing the perfect thing for one person out there. It's totally possible. And so I should do it because that person deserves that perfection from me. And it it can just be one, you know? Oh, that's lovely. And what you can't see, because we're, of course, just speaking through audio here, is I'm I'm nodding my head as you're talking, because I I think that's a really beautiful way to look at it and to put... Um, just to look at it positively, we can we can really truly be debilitated by this this obsession with perfection, and this this applies kind of across the board in our businesses, particularly when it comes to putting our work out there. Um, we can let that get in the way of of being able to share something with the world that, as you say, could be perfect for at least one person and, and probably many. And um, that's a really beautiful way to look at it, an encouraging way to look at it. So uh, you listed the first thing, this kind of first step or first idea to consider in, in establishing your why, why you do what you do. And the first thing to do was to try a lot of different things. Um, this is a good reminder for me. I'm, I want to, I actually heard something the other day, was reminded of an idea that if we're ever bored, it's because we're boring. Um, it's on us ultimately to, to create an interesting life for ourselves. And a lot of that just comes from doing. And uh, so I love this encouragement. Try a lot of different things. What's Take us to the next one, if you will. The next one is listen to what people are saying about you. That's going to hold a key. Um, all my clients said I make them so comfortable. You know, I, I just have this ability to make people feel really comfortable in their own skin. Now, what are your clients, what are your friends, what are your family telling you about you and speaking over you that's different to other people? You know, if they keep talking about it, it means there's something unique about you, something special about you. Dig into that. Dig into that because there's something there, you know. The reason people are saying this is because it is special to you. They don't see it everywhere and they feel the need to talk about it. So I think just listen. Listen to the feedback that you're getting. And how can they, how do they go about doing this, I guess, kind of proactively or practically? Is it, is it putting their work out there? Is it something like you're saying as simple as just the way that they interact with clients? Is it how they approach photographing a session? Where else should they look for this? I guess for me, it would be just being proactive, actually asking, asking people what they've enjoyed. I guess I have such relationships with my clients that, um, it just comes out. We do a lot of conversation. But if you're not like me and that doesn't come naturally, I actually think there's a real skill in learning to ask questions and getting feedback from people. You know, we cannot learn and we cannot grow if we are covering our ears and not wanting to know what people have liked and not liked about us. Um, and so a lot of us are scared to even ask the question, you know, what could I improve? Or what did I do well? Because I'd just rather stay in the dark and you know, because it's a bit scary. They don't want people to say, I just don't like you. People are scared of rejection. But I think there's something about putting yourself out there and just getting feedback. As a business owner, it is so integral to get feedback. So so if that's a survey or if that's, you know, just a little questionnaire or if even if it's just a quick email that you flick them, they might not do it. But if they are really um, invested in you and your brand, they will write back and they'll let you know, you know. And I just find that's how we can grow and really delve into what we're here for, like our purpose, our why. So 
I love it. I love it. And, and I've been reminded of this really kind of over and over, but I can think of a couple of instances in particular in more recent time. Um, a good friend of mine, uh, somebody that I've known for, for some, some time now uh, in the photography industry, um, I, I just I went to him and said, hey, wh- what is, is there something, what, what are your thoughts about me as, as you know me now? Of course, he's known me for a long time. He's seen me change and, and hopefully grow as well. But I'd love to just get your objective thoughts, um, your perspective on me now, um, how I interact with you, um, how you see me in business or otherwise. And, and being able to go, it does take a little bit of, well, certainly proactivity, if nothing else, to go to somebody to ask for feedback that could potentially be negative, that, that might be a little bit hard to hear. But as you so, so beautifully put it, it gives us opportunity to grow. I actually did this, this very thing with my ex as well. Um, we were together for 12 years and had two wonderful kids together. And, um, and we split about five years ago and, and I, probably within the last year or so, uh, I went back to her and I said, Hey, you know what? I'd love to hear your thoughts. You know, we, we, there's been extensive conversation over, over the years about our relationship, but Hey, will you just share with me, um, your perspective on things that I could have done better in our relationship? And um, again, potentially, um, you know, a, 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 a well disconcerting conversation, <laughs> if nothing else. But it was actually really nice. It was nice to hear direct and honest feedback from her. And um, it's certainly helpful in my growth and being a, a better individual and then better in relationships moving forward as well. So, um, yeah, I, this is yeah. a this is a great, great recommendation. Getting feedback from people. I'm just going to say, you know what? Growth is uncomfortable. If you want to get better, if you want to be better, you are going to have to go through some level of discomfort. That's just the way it is. So if you want to stagnate and just stay exactly the way you are, that's where you will find comfort. But if you want to get better and be bigger and just be amazing, you are having to get yourself mentally ready to be uncomfortable. That's just the reality of it. You know, we can't avoid it. That's true. That's true. It's a good reminder. I'm, I'm loving this. I'm really loving this. Take us to number three, if you don't mind. Okay, number three is really simple, but I think when you get really busy, you sort of forget to do this. And I think you just have to sit down and think of the things that make you come alive. Like what gets you excited? You know, that is such a a pivotal point to figuring out your why because your why will always feel really good, right? Your why is going to feel amazing. It's going to give you all those lovely butterflies. So when you're doing whatever you do in your everyday life, what bits of life make you excited? What bits do you just get the tingles over? And I think, you know, we can get really busy and we can just, I don't know, go through the motions and we forget to sit down and really take note of the things that get us excited. It's so true. And, you know, we're, we're, we're so lucky to be in a, in a, a society or, or societies, I should say, uh, whether it's Australia or the U.S. or Canada or elsewhere. Um, it, it, we have listeners kind of from, from all over, but uh, we're, we're so lucky to be in a position where we have the, the luxury of, as you're saying, sit down and con- to, to sit down and to consider what we enjoy doing, what we're passionate about, what makes us excited, uh, what gets us tingling, as you said. And, um, and then actually go after that. Um, we're so lucky to be able to do that. And it does take setting aside our fear 
of failure, fear of imperfection. But there is such amazing opportunity to go after that very thing that we love, and it's not so complicated in the end to figure out what that thing is. Um, of course, the, the, on the, the back side of that, we have to actually put a plan in place to make this thing work. But um, when it comes to figuring out our why, the thing that we are passionate about, and, and ultimately, what does our value add to the world? You talked about you know, the, the feedback that we get from people where they compliment us on this thing or that thing. We can take, we can listen to that, we can pair that with what we get excited about. And if those two things match, you're probably onto something. And uh, so this is, this is a great reminder. Like you said, it's simple, but ultimately it's extremely powerful. And I think a lot of people are kind of stuck in, uh, with the notion maybe that, that they can't go after the thing that they love doing. You know, I have, to, I have to work a job to make money. It just is how it is. The reality is if you're willing to kind of step outside your comfort zone a little bit, there's incredible opportunity out there to do what you really truly love. So that's a great reminder. And then I think you said you had four different ideas that you wanted to share with us. Will you take us to the last one? The last one I think is really pivotal is don't look at what the world wants you to be. So I think we can really limit ourselves to thinking we have to fit into a certain box because of the pressure we feel we, we have upon our shoulders, you know? Right. So um, I think we need to just really expand our mind to allow ourselves to just be anything, to not feel limited by our gender, our race, just, you know, the social pressures. I think it's really important to not think about the worldly pressures that are put on us and actually just throw that off for a minute and think about what you really want to do, you know, without all this noise coming into your head and then just do that. Do you know, cause that's, what's going to actually, that's what the world needs right now is the thing that you are going to bring that makes you so excited. That makes you different. That's what the world needs. The world doesn't even know it needs it yet though. So it's not going to ask for it. You know, people didn't know they needed a lot of things before somebody said, you know what, I'm going to bring this out there. And people thought they were crazy, like aeroplanes wouldn't be here, right? (laughs) How much do we rely on aeroplanes? But it took a crazy person to think, you know what, I think we should fly. And people were like, I don't think we need to. You know, if they were constrained by what the world actually believed we needed as humans or what they thought a, a man should be doing or a woman, they would, we would never have aeroplanes. We would never have the amazing things that we do. It takes somebody to think outside the box and to just not be looking for approval from everybody else, you know, about what they're about to do. Just go out there, just be crazy and just think totally wacky and you'll see that that's what you're meant to be doing. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. This actually reminds me of uh, a book called The Untethered Soul by Michael Singer. I'm not, I may have mentioned this once or twice before on the podcast, uh, but one of the things that, that Michael deals with in this book is the so-called voice inside our head that we give so much credit to. Um, and and it, he paints this really interesting picture, and it's kind of humorous even. Um, he, he, he says, you know, the, the way that we, have, that we have conversations with ourselves, basically, if, some, if we were to do that out loud, people would think that we were psychotic, some of these conversations that we have with ourselves, stop giving so much credit to that, that voice in our head. That's not us. Um, let, let that noise, um, or, or drown out the noise with possibility in this case, which is, you know, the possibility of actually letting your passion flow through in this case, your photography 
or whatever other art or craft that you might explore. Um, but, but stop letting the noise from the world determine what that is. And, and this is a really, really great reminder and a, and a great way to kind of close this conversation out. Although I, I hate for it to end. This has been really, really great. And, I, and I, your, your passion, it just not only exudes through your, your blog, but through your, your voice and your message. And uh, I really can't thank you enough for making time to share with us, Jessica. Oh, thank you so much. I had the best time. Honestly, it's just been really nice that somebody's let me talk for this long. <laughs> well, I, I just love your energy, and it, and it makes my job as an interviewer um, even easier than it already is. But I, I'd love to—I'd love for you to share with our listeners where they can find you online, so they can follow what you're doing, your work, um, and social media, and so forth. Yeah. So at the moment, because what I'm doing is very brand new, it's. Um, I guess you can only follow me on social media and then just, you know, follow and I will, once the website's up and things, I will announce that. But if you go to Facebook or um, Instagram, I'm called, my new business is called See Me Raw and it's a body loving revolution. So, you know, I'd love people to follow me, take a look and hopefully get inspired to live out their dreams using their bodies and actually look at at their bodies in a whole new light, which is, you know, what I hope to bring to the world. Okay. Well, we'll definitely link to that um, in the show notes. I'm also going to link to the story that we were talking about uh, or the, the blog post that, that we were talking about just a little bit ago. It's, it's so absolutely powerful. The stories, the imagery. Um, again, I appreciate your vulnerability in sharing and certainly the vulnerability of these women and sharing with the world at large and, and our listeners as well. And we'll make sure to link to that story uh, in the show notes. But Jessica, thank you so much um, for making time for us, for sharing, for being open with us and, and helping us learn through all of this. No worries. It's been lots of fun. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to the Boca podcast today. We let us know what you think by leaving a review of the podcast in iTunes or maybe in the Apple podcast app. And I'd love to hear from you personally with your thoughts about the podcast, maybe suggestions about future topics and guests for the show. My direct email is nathan at photographersedit.com. The Boca Podcast is brought to you by Photographers Edit, custom image editing for the wedding and portrait photographer. Just visit photographersedit.com.